again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Hokies Press Pass Podcast. Alongside Andy Bitter, the Virginia Tech football beat writer for the Roanoke Times, this is Aaron McFarling, sports columnist for the Roanoke Times. We have a surprisingly meaty podcast for, you know, spring football is over, but we have the listeners to thank for that. They came strong, Andy. We didn't have anything to talk about, <laughs> and the listeners came through with a ton of questions, so that's good. Yeah, and they're all, like, Real questions, like you know, I like a few jokey joke ones mixed in. We can but... lighten it up a little bit, people, with some of these questions. But I they're think. good. Yeah, no, these are good questions. But it's nice every now and then to be able to throw a Simpsons question in there, uh, <laughs> just to for, for us. It's just for us. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> Uh, well, before we get started on that, we're also going to talk about the draft, of course. That's on Thursday. It's the first round. Uh, I want to give an announcement. I have teleported myself upwards. To 2011 now, Andy. I pulled the trigger. Tell us about that, Aaron. Uh, well, you know, we talked last week about how maybe I should get HBO or something. You said, oh, yeah, do it. Pull the, pull the trigger. And uh, as luck would have it, Xfinity, my cable company, was giving away HBO last week for free. I had no idea. I didn't realize this until Saturday. And so I, you know, on, and I was really busy on Saturday. And so, so Sunday, the reason you didn't see any crazy polls or stupid stuff from me was because I was watching Game of Thrones. and It's about time. <laughs> man, I, I was say. late to Game of Thrones, and you're, like, really late. Because you like the Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. I love it. I think there's You two... quote the Ents talking about the going to fight. Yes. You've done that in the car on road the trips. Shall go to war. The, yeah, no, there, I think there's two types of nerds, <laughs> entertainment-type nerds in the world. There's the Star Wars nerds, and then there's the... Lord of the Rings nerds. I'm the I'm the I'm the latter. I've watched the Star Wars, but the last Star Wars I saw was the one where the the guy uh, the stormtrooper decides to rebel and join the. Did you come to us when we were in Shreveport to see that? I did not. We no. watched it when we were in Shreveport. I was busy at the craps table. I, I'm pretty. Well, sure. yeah, oh yeah, that was a good. Well, trip. duh, duh. <laughs> of course. But yes, uh, I've I've loved it so far. I'm I'm only on 2011, so I know everything. You know, it's the first season, so I know everything's changed after, since then. So I'm not going to reference it on Twitter, but I will be caught up before you know it. Aaron's like this. Ned Stark seems like a straight shooter. <laughs> curious, <laughs> curious to see how he plays out over these next couple seasons. <laughs> Yes, I've already passed that point. Um, so, yeah, thanks for recommending that. I, it was a good decision, and I've still got a full wire to watch. I've still got Sopranos I can stream. I, I've told you this before. I'm insanely jealous of your position that you have these just sort of untapped shows that you have not watched yet. Like, The Wire is like 60 hours of the greatest show in the history of television, and you haven't even tapped into it yet. Yeah. You see, the thing is, I have a Netflix account. I have an Amazon Prime <laughs> account. And so I always thought, well, I have so much content that I'm not going to watch anyway. Why would I add another thing? But these are great, all-time great shows. You it's know, not you, TV. It's HBO. Right. It's so, HBO is not a sponsor of the podcast. <laughs> they're if, not. If they want to get on, you know, we're open to, to podcast uh, uh, sponsors here. So hit us up, HBO. You'll get a good reach with this. Exactly. Well, the first round of the draft is on Thursday. Andy, I know... You're going to watch because you have to, and plus you you like the draft. Um, I'll be at a Sox game, a Red Sox game, so I'll be following most of it on Twitter. Uh, I guess I could bring 
you know, my Kindle and watch it on there, but I don't really care to do that. I'll, I'll follow yeah, it. Yeah, don't do that. That's... I like to, I like the, I, I think I've been at a baseball game at each of the last few drafts, and I just enjoy the snark and the funny comments on Twitter more than I do the actual show, the, the old choose them up. I don't really care that much about it other than where the Hokies go. And if there's a few calves that go, I care. But that's about it. Yeah, it's not that entertaining to watch. I, I probably, I'd probably tune in for a little bit of it if it if I didn't have to for work reasons. And that was the case last year when I knew nobody from the Hokies was going to go in the first round. But, uh, yeah, I'll have to pay attention the whole time this time. All right. So give us a, a rough sketch of the Hokies <laughs> situation here. Uh, I guess we'll start with Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, where is he on all these mock drafts? What do you think of mock drafts, first of all? Uh, they're not very accurate, but they're entertaining. I mean, man, it's months and months and months. It's like, oh, here's the latest mock draft. And then I read something the other day that, like, the average mock draft gets, like, 4.1 picks right yeah. <laughs> out of the first round. And I read something about seven-round mock drafts that uh, after the first round and every seven-round mock draft that was done last year, there were four picks that were right. And that's not an average of four picks for each mock draft. Four total picks that people actually, like, nailed right. Uh, so, yeah, like, they give you a sense about when guys might go. But if you're like, oh, man, I saw him going to the Colts in round five. It's like, you, nobody knows. Nobody has any clue. Even in the first round, it's like, you know, the Browns are going to brown and do something wrong with the number one pick. I can just sense it. And when they do that, that'll be a ripple effect down through the rest of the draft that everybody, you know, everything's thrown off. All of a sudden, a guy's available. All the people didn't know and... Uh, you know, teams that haven't talked about trading up all of a sudden want to trade up. It's just such a crapshoot once it gets down actually to it. So uh, that's sort of the entertaining part about it is for as much as people want to know that they know what's going to happen on draft night, it, it never really goes as, as scripted. Well, speaking of crapshoots, I like to look at the gambling odds because, of course, you know, websites have gambling odds on the draft. I thought you were going to say, of course, because I'm a degenerate gambler. <laughs> that's the reason. Yeah, that as well. But uh, I think those can provide some insight as to what we might see almost more so than the, you know, the Mel Kuypers of the world uh, because, you know, they have over-unders and stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll give us a few odds here later in the podcast uh, that are popping up, and I'll probably do a blog post about it on Wednesday or Thursday just from, you know, maybe to help people out as to what they might see or if they see any value out there in terms of uh, gambling odds if they really want to, you know, because these, these Mel Kuypers, I mean, they're not, they're not staking anything to to their picks other than their reputation, which is pretty much already, you know, established. You know, Mel Kuyper is a draft expert more than anybody. I think the term is guru. Guru, gotcha. Yeah, Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, a lot of top 10 projections for him. I think there's sort of a limit to how high an outside linebacker can go. Uh, so, so I would say, you know, late 10s, like around 8, 9, 10. I think I've, most of the mock drafts that I've seen him have him with the Bears at number 8, the Niners at number 9, or the Raiders at number 10. And then some other ones, I see him a lot lower to like number 20 overall. I don't think anybody really knows. I, I think they know that he's a super freakishly athletic guy. He's not yet 20 years old. I think he'll turn 20 after the draft. Um, he was a very productive player at Virginia Tech, and he seems like he's a versatile enough defensive player that he can play inside linebacker, outside linebacker. So there's a lot of reasons to like him. At the same time, you don't go into a draft going, man, we got to get our linebacker this year. Right. Whereas there, you, you do say that about the quarterbacks. That's why you see all four of these quarterbacks, sometimes five of these quarterbacks going in the first round and very high in the first round is people don't just go in and go, man, 
we got to bet the farm on this linebacker this year. So it's more of a luxury pick, I think, for a lot of teams than obviously something like quarterback or, or left tackle or something like that. Speaking of linebackers, did you see my tweet about the Parrot? Uh, apparently Tampa the Bay. The Buccaneers, right? Tampa Bay is going to. Did you see my tweet? I didn't see the tweet. Okay. Well, Michael Phillips from Richmond tweeted it out that uh, <coughs> Tampa Bay is going to have a Parrot do the final picks on Saturday. Uh, everyone's doing something wacky or, you know, something. Much something to Mike streaming. Mayock's dismay. <laughs> it really upsets him. He's like, what are we doing here? A parrot's doing it? You know, the parrot will be on the ship, I guess, you know, at the at the Raymond James Stadium or whatever they're calling that stadium now. And I said, this is good news for defensive players because Polly won a backer. That's not bad. That's Did I get a good response? I think he got like five likes and it was okay. a reply. So you had to follow Michael okay. and me in order to see it. So I was pretty pleased. So that's that. not eligible for the picking at caskets no, tweet of the week. It sounds like we will not have that this week. We don't. not an underperforming tweet. Every ounce of free time has been spent watching Game of Thrones. And so <laughs> there hasn't been a lot of uh, just firing away on Twitter. But we'll, we'll get back to that when we have one. All right. So that's Edmonds. Obviously, that gives everyone who's a Hokie fan a, a big reason to watch on Thursday. How about beyond Edmonds? Where is everybody else uh, landing according to where? You know, give us some ballpark figures, I guess. It's really tough. It's funny. Uh, Jason Lacanfora, I think is the yeah. name of the, the reporter, was saying the teams covet Terrell Edmonds quite a bit too. And he said he wouldn't be surprised if he went late in the first round. Huh. To which I said I'd be shocked if yeah. he went in the first round. And some people are like, why is that? I'm like, well, because he got hurt last year, and I don't think he had the greatest 2017. And I know the physical tools are there and everything, and obviously with that family, you don't have to worry about any sort of mental makeup. I mean, they're built to be football players, that entire family up and down. Uh, it just seems like he's a lot of the projections I've seen are maybe third or fourth or maybe at best in the second. That's why I'd be shocked if he went in the first round. But you know, as we've said before, who knows with this NFL draft stuff? I mean, some uh, the way that he phrases it, like teams are quietly craving Terrell Edmonds. It's like if it's so quiet, why are they telling a reporter about this? Like, there's so much misinformation and smoke screens right now. I don't really know what to believe when I see it out there. Have a pair of brothers ever gone in the first round? That's something I should probably research in God, case this yeah, guy is actually right, and I have crazy. to put in my story. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure that like the Pouncey brothers are both taken pretty high. I don't yeah. know if they were taken in the same year. Okay. Uh, yeah, first round. I don't. I don't know. I'd have to go back and check that. Yeah, maybe some twins somewhere out there. But yeah, it, the. Um, <clears throat> so who else? Well, here, this was how the NBC, NBC Sports Top 150 ranked Tremaine Edmonds number 20, which is lower, I think, than a lot of things I've seen. Uh, Wyatt Teller 113, which would put him in that third, fourth round range. Terrell Edmonds 135. Tim Settle, 146. I've seen him projected as high as the second round. Uh, Brandon Faison, 151. I don't know why they go up to 151 in the top 150, but that's that's what they did on that. <laughs> uh, you know, Gil Brandt of NFL.com did the same thing. He had Tremaine 6th, he had Terrell 87th, and he had Tim Settle, 114th. So a little bit higher on those three guys. Uh, you know, I think if I'm guessing, I say Edmonds and Settle – Terrell Edmonds and Settle possibly on day two, and the rest, uh, you know, Teller, Brandon Faison, Greg Stroman possibly, uh, I guess Cam Phillips, somebody to watch, although I kind of wonder about his speed, if he'd be somebody to get taken uh, as day three guys. Uh, so there's, there's plenty to watch. It'll be all three days I think Hokies fans will have some interest in this thing. Yeah, you're going to be busy. I mean, those three days is it- – yeah, it's not like last year where you're sitting around going, man, none of these guys on any of these days? That was interesting, yeah. 
I mean, I thought second day for sure somebody yesterday, and then you're like, okay, third day. So early in the day, somebody will get taken. It wasn't until, like, the, the I think Chuck Clark was the first one in the sixth round. No. Uh, eventually, it's like, whoa, man, none of those offensive guys. Shocking. I was shocked. It was shocking. And I remember I was at the spring, the, the Virginia Spring Football Festival while that was all going down, and I was following it <coughs> on Twitter as I was standing on the sidelines of that game. And, uh, you know, I remember Gerard Evans had his tweet as something about, you know, everyone's going to be sorry about this. And uh, it was it was a very interesting draft. This will be interesting for different reasons just because, of like you said, everyone's all over the map on where they have these guys ranked. So settle in, and uh, no, no pun intended for Tim there, but uh, settle in and, and enjoy the draft. Well, that's a good deal of talent. I don't think they've had this many players drafted since – or possibly drafted since like 2008. Yeah, that's a good sign. Uh, you know, that, that was the last really big combine year that Tech had too, in terms of I think seven or eight guys who went to the combine. So uh, that was a pretty talented group of uh, upperclassmen, and then the 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 you know juniors that declared and, and Tim uh, Settle was a sophomore declaring. Uh, quite a bit of talent leaving the program. I think when you look at the Hokies in 2018, that's a big reason why I'm maybe a little bit hesitant to say, oh, they're going to be up in the 9-10 win range again because they just lost so many guys and there's a lot of young guys coming up to replace them. I know I asked you this last year. Did your friend in, in Greensboro, he, he stopped doing his little pun He stopped, game. unfortunately. David, David Morrison was yeah. the godfather of pun headlines <laughs> at the, the draft. And I always egg him on. He'd do one for, like, the start of it. He's like, no joke, Luke Jokel goes number one or something like that. The answer. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, keep doing it. Keep doing it for every single one. And I feel like I, like, shamed him into doing the entire first round for a couple years. Uh there was one that was good as something like some DJ guy. I forget I forget who his last name was, but he's like, "Come, Mister DJ, no, real like whatever that Rihanna song was." That was a good one. He had another one that Sharif Floyd was taken by the Vikings pretty re- late, and he dropped in the draft. And he's like, "Sharif don't like it." It's like I knew he was going to do a reference to the Clash on that one. Uh, but yeah, that was he was he was the maestro of that. Unfortunately, uh, I don't believe he'll be doing it this year. Maybe I can egg him into doing like one or two uh, at the top of the draft because that was always it. that always livened up the night for me. At well, least. I, I think if you're gonna do it, you have to do the whole first round because the the funniest ones are the ones where you're really forcing it because you, you oh yeah you got nothing but you got to figure something out. And I, I was amazed at how quickly he could come up with those. Like they, he wouldn't even take him like any time, but he would come up with some terrible pun this, this is what we do in the newspaper industry is come up with horrible headlines for this stuff all right let's get to some listener questions maybe. listener questions this is uh, again thank you to everyone who replied we'll try to get to as many as we can here uh, they're all really good uh, we'll start with kevin foster uh that's at i'm kevin foster on twitter <coughs> Seeing a lot of comments from former players on state of relationship with the current athletic department regarding welcoming former athletes back for their help, etc. What are your thoughts on this? What have you seen slash heard? And I know Vic, uh, Dwight Vic has, I think, probably been spearheading this this movement, right? He had. Well, it was a thing a couple years ago with Derek Smith, the former offensive lineman that wrote a letter to the, I think it was the College Time, Collegiate Times, uh, that printed it, but it was just sort of about creating an alumni association and, you know, could sort of treating the, the former players, like welcoming them back and stuff like that. It sounds like the relations there are still kind of strained between the former guys, the, the old Beamer guys and, and the new coaching staff uh, and sort of the new era of Virginia Tech athletics. 
uh, you know, Dwight Vick, who's very vocal about Virginia Tech, but incredibly supportive in all facets of Virginia Tech football, said, you can't preach this is home when you won't even give former football players a key to the back door. And there were some, several other tweets about it. And it sounds like it's just still an issue where uh, the former guys coming back that weren't necessarily the stars just aren't uh, maybe welcome with open arms. And, you know, I don't know really what every other school does with in terms of alumni associations and stuff. I know Kevin Jones is sort of on that job when he was here in terms of uh, alumni outreach for former players and stuff. But it sounds like he wasn't the most extroverted guy. So maybe that wasn't the, exactly the greatest person for that position. Uh, I know he left a, a while ago, so I don't know if they filled that position with anybody or who exactly is doing that. But. You know, they kind of have a point. They do preach the this is home thing all the time. Uh, you know, if it's tough for former players to to get in touch with the program or speak to the players or anything like that. I, I feel like that'd be such a great resource to tap into. Uh, you know, I, I don't know to what degree, but it, it seems like if a lot of the former players are upset about it, they're not doing it to the degree that it should be. Well, I don't want to put words in Dwight's mouth, but I thought I saw a tweet from him somewhere. And, and forgive me if this is not what he said, but it's something like, you know, if you could just have a tent – you know, at the uh, at the football game, at the home games, or even at the road games, you know, where this is just for, a, you know, football alumni and, you know, a little tailgate and a little couple ales, you know, some barbecue or something like that. <laughs> um, that would go a long way towards, you know, people reconnecting with the program. And I don't see a lot of downside to that other than cost. You know, it's not my money. So, uh, you know, I don't know how much they have in the coffers for that kind of thing. But doesn't that seem like a good idea, even if Dwight did, did or did not say that? <laughs> it does. It seems like there could be very little things that you could do like that to make it more welcoming. And I think a lot of the responses I saw to Dwight's tweets where people were like, well, uh, you know, the former football players haven't been very supportive with donations and stuff. It's like, well, you get donations by being well. I mean, it's a chicken and egg thing. Right. Uh, you know, if you're at the university, you sort of have to have that outreach first before you can be like, hey, how about you cut us a check? You know, that, that's sort of been Whit Babcock's whole thing is the first thing, first conversation you have with somebody can't be, hey, could you give us some money? You have to foster that relationship over time. So, um, you know, I don't know exactly what uh, the solution is to this. I, I think I'm going to try to get Dwight on the podcast next week. That'd be good. Uh, certainly a downtime. Uh, I've, I've talked to him in the past and not just about that. I want to talk to him about all sorts of sure. Virginia Tech football stuff. He's got stories for days <laughs> about Virginia Tech back in the day. Uh, but this would be an interesting thing to talk about. Uh, it seems like it's a solvable issue. It, it shouldn't be something that's like, oh, man, we just can't figure out how to do this. It, it just is talking to people and maybe you know providing a few extra perks for guys that played here. Uh, I was going to say, you know, word gets around, right? Like <laughs> there's, there are things you cannot do while they're actual student athletes on, in your program. But uh, if you're if you're giving extra benefits once they're gone, um, that's perfectly legal as far as I know. And uh, people on, you know, Maybe that helps you get some recruits because they see the familial atmosphere that's there. Yeah, and and you see like the the stars on the sideline. It's always Tyrod and Cam right. Chancellor, and Michael Vick, and stuff. But you know there are hundreds and hundreds of guys that you know blood, sweat, and tears for this program over the years that are wondering like, hey, can I get maybe just a little recognition when I come back into Blacksburg, or or just a little love in that sense? So, like I said, I think it's something that's definitely fixable, but obviously hasn't been fixed in the last couple of years if they're still talking about it. Yeah, well, good question, Kevin. Thanks for thanks for that. This one's from Mike Reed in Myrtle beach 
Uh, so with what appears to be an uptick in recruiting the last couple years, how long before the Hokies really start to compete for ACC championships? Also, with Clemson, FSU, Miami, and Virginia Tech all seemingly already good team, really good teams, or getting there in the case of the latter two, will the ACC take over as the top conference long term? Andy, your thoughts? Well, I don't think long term that you're going to see the ACC take over as the best conference. I mean, I think. Long term, you're always going to look at, you know, SEC or the Big Ten, just because I think there's a greater depth of programs in those two uh, conferences. They're really good, and, and certainly with the money that's involved in those two, uh, I mean, the, the Big Ten is just printing money with its its conference uh, the network that it has right now. Even though that's tailed back a little bit with some them dropping some out of state. Uh, distributors there but you know the sec just has top to bottom a bunch of schools that everybody cares about football and the top ones especially and they have tons of money whereas the acc it's like yeah you have those top four and then it gets a little iffy once you get down to that second string and then it's it's like wake forest is good every now and then and bc is good every now and then it's just it seems like there's a lot of uh you know non-football interest from some of those schools along the way there certainly carolina and duke uh, the interest is more focused towards basketball than anything. Uh, you know, you go to SEC, Kentucky is really the only school like that. So, yeah, I think the ACC is, is situated pretty well where it is right now. You look in terms of the number of draft picks they have each year. I mean, it's it's second to the SEC all the time. I think it would be really tough for it to overtake the SEC as the top football conference or the Big Ten or whoever it is in a certain given year. Those seem to be the two that it trades between. Uh, you know, Clemson is up there right now, so that could be the top dog in college football. But I, it's tough to get all four of them up there at the same time. How about I think the that's first the problem? How about the first part of his question? How long until Hokies start? I mean, I, I kind of feel like they're already there in terms of being a contender in the Coastal, which makes you a contender in the ACC. But uh, you want well, to win the ACC, though, you have to be like one of the top teams in the country. Right. I mean, that's where Clemson is right now. This isn't like the mid two thousands where it was Virginia Tech and then Florida State was way down. Clemson was was kind of a mess for a lot of those years. Uh, it seemed like the biggest competition Virginia Tech would face all the time was Georgia Tech right. back in those years. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's going to take a little bit more. I think there's there's still the point right now with their roster where they're waiting for those Fuente, first Fuente recruits to really kind of come up and be upperclassmen. I think when that starts becoming the case, that's when you look at, okay, now you, you've got your pieces in place. Uh, you can start to compete with those guys. The depth is there. The, the guys are recruited to the system specifically. And then on top of that, I think you need to have – outstanding quarterback play because that's sort of the great equalizer if you're going to win a conference and you look at all the teams that have won uh acc titles at virginia tech i mean they had brian randall they had tyrod taylor they had those caliber of quarterbacks i mean there, there was one in there where i think glennon was the primary quarterback but that those defenses were you know one or two in the, the nation at that point uh so i think it, it it might take still a year or two before you can conceivably Say, oh, yeah, I think Virginia Tech can go toe-to-toe with Clemson in the game. Uh, just not quite there yet. Well, thanks for your question, Mike. Uh, this next one is from Andrew Shoemate at A underscore new underscore shoe on Twitter. What changes would you make to the review system to improve it? I like the idea of a time limit so they don't kill the pacing of the game. Andy, I think you know my answer to this, which would be destroy it, get rid of it. How would you improve? You're the one that has the biggest problem with it. How would you improve it? I would lop off its head like Ned Stark. 
Spoiler! Spoiler! <laughs> he says spoiler this many years later. If you haven't watched <laughs> that part of it. 2011, guys. Yeah. Um, how would I change it? Uh, yeah, I, I like the I like Andrew's thought there of a of a time limit because that is one of the biggest things. Like if you can't determine within 25 seconds, let's say, just throwing a number out there, then I think it goes with the whole idea of this is you know there's not enough evidence to overturn it because if you just go with the call on the field, you know I I I do you know the two my two biggest issues with. Uh, replay are one it kills moments and two it disrupts the flow of the game uh you could you could address number two by having a a time limit of 30 seconds and then you know call stands you know the 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 the, the screen goes off after 30 (laughs) seconds so you know whoever's in new york or whatever they they've got to just make the decision and go i would institute a challenge system like the pros okay. where you, you only have a certain number of opportunities. Like you give them one. And if you get it right, you have a second one and that's it. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess you could, re- re- every scoring play, those are important ones can be reviewed. But I, I just like in college, it just seems like they're reviewing stuff. It's just like, ah, the spot was off by a half yard. It's like, why are you reviewing this? Like only review something if a coach has a major problem with it or if it's like so egregious, like, oh my gosh, I have to throw a flag on that one to just, stop the action and take another look at it and fix it. Uh, I, I think that's part of the problem uh, with the current system is just like, oh, everything is reviewable all the time. They're constantly looking at it and they're about to line up like, hold on, we're going to take another look at that. It's like, well, if nobody had a problem with it, just keep going. Right. So that would be my fix to it. That's a good one. Okay. Thanks for the question, Andrew. This next one's from Benjamin C. Anderson at Croft VT 920 on Twitter. That just rolls off the tongue there, doesn't it? It does. Uh, will Bud use multiple players at linebacker, or will he stick with two, assuming Rivers and Ashby, unless Holyfield steps in early? His history has been to stick with one guy in each spot. Uh, you know, he's had guys that have sort of been established, I guess, is the, the change there. So maybe that could be different this year. I think possibly with Hollyfield coming in, I mean, if they're going to play him, they're going to want to play him. They, they want to just you know burn the red shirt for him not to play. So I could see uh, maybe a little more rotation in there uh, this year, possibly. But you know, historically, I mean, even last year when they're like, oh, we got to get these younger guys reps, they play the starters all the way to the end of the game almost, and just never take guys out. Uh, I think Bud just feels like that's such a rhythm position that just to be in the game and in the flow of the defense and everything that. Uh, rotating guys in and out isn't the the best plan necessarily, but you know, with the inexperience across the board, I think it it opens it up this year for a little bit more possibility of that because, uh, you know, what are you losing by taking a guy that's never played who's a sophomore out of the game for a guy who's never played who's a freshman out of the game? It's not like you're like, oh, you're taking your redshirt senior out of the game for a freshman. You're going to lose so much there. I, I think there's a little bit more interchangeability. Uh, between those guys this year and, and previous years. Percentage chance Hollyfield plays? I'd say almost a lock. Really? I, mean, I, I, I just think in, in such a position of need with such uncertainty there, I always look at you know who, who are the freshmen they're going to play. It comes down to opportunity more than anything. Uh, you know, Talent is, is one thing. You have to have talent to get it. But if you're blocked by another player, you're just not going to get on the field. And I think that that is a position on the defense where there's a lot of uncertainty. 
uh, even in terms of the reserves. And if you're a reserve, you're going to burn the shirt because you have to be ready to play at, at the drop of a hat. So I would say yes. I, I think it's almost certain that he's going to play this year. Okay. Thanks for the question, Benjamin. Uh, moving on to James Borden's question, at Borden316 on Twitter. Odds Hendon Hooker finishes his career, one, at Virginia Tech, and two, as a football player. Or, alternatively, over under 0.5 starts at QB. You're the odds guy. So, um, so give me the odds on this one. I'll, I'll, take, the under. I'll take the under on, on the second question. Over under 0.5 starts. I, I think, and this is, this is really probably reckless, to, to bury him based on what we saw at the spring game in terms of reps and injuries happen and things like that. But I don't think he's going to stick around after this year, and I don't think he's going to get any starts this year. That would be my guess. How about you? Considering how weird things can happen in the quarterback game, I, I'll i take the over on .5 starts. Okay. I mean, did, did you ever think Brendan Motley was going to start games here? That's a good point. Uh, I guess if you made that bet with Mark Leal, you would have been the under, because I don't think he ever did start a game here. No, he played that UCLA uh, game a lot. As a reserve, yeah. though. He came in when, when Logan Thomas got knocked out in that game. Uh, I don't know. Like, like I'm like you. I don't think I'm ready to bury the whole situation. I mean, the, the kid has been here one year. <laughs> He's still technically a freshman yeah. in his freshman year on campus here. I just, you know, how many times have you just completely written off somebody's like, oh, he's gone, he's never going to make an impact here, and then you look like four years later, it's like, man, he's still around, <laughs> he's producing, and he's contributing to this team somehow. Uh, so weird things can happen in a quarterback room. A guy gets injured, you know, comes out, and another guy's not playing well, all of a sudden you have to substitute him. And I, I think I'll go over on the point five starts. My understanding is that Hooker came into college with some college credits. And so he his his timeline for graduating could be accelerated. So it may be a situation where he sticks around and 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 gets his degree, and and then does the graduate transfer thing and maybe has two years left. That's my understanding. Okay. Well, yeah, that could be a scenario. Like, I, I just I just think sure. we're making so many assumptions with the quarterback. People are like, oh, Quincy Patterson's could be ready like next year after a redshirt year. It's like I don't even think it'll be that fast. I think it's going to take a while with him to get you know up to speed in the college game, and even then, it's no guarantee that he's going to be, you know, the the superstar that everybody's predicting with this stuff. So. Uh, you know, a couple years ago, people would have just assumed that Dwayne Lawson would be in year three as a starter right now. Right. And you know, how's that era going? You know, he hasn't played anywhere. He didn't get into Illinois. Uh, I'm not exactly sure where he is right now or, or what his future plans are. I mean, it's just the, everybody's so certain about what the path of some of these guys is going to be. And then out of nowhere, it's like, oh, man, he's the starter. Like, interesting. Like, I, don't, I don't think people thought Kelly Bryant would be the starter at Clemson. You know, waiting behind Deshaun Watson all those years, and then the talent that they had recruited behind him, and he was the starter last year. Yeah, it's strange. I, I didn't really understand James's second part of that question, but maybe what he means is something is it going to be like a Lawson situation where he just doesn't play football? And I, I don't think that's going to happen with him. No, I think he'll go somewhere and play yeah, if he doesn't play. play here. But but I, I'll even go to Georgia last year. Uh, uh, Eason was the quarterback, and everybody's like, this guy is the guy for the future, and. Uh, you know, going to lead them to great things, and he gets hurt, and Jake Fromm comes out of nowhere. I mean, he was he was a highly ranked recruit himself, but people looked at the recruiting and how it was set up, and they're like, how is Fromm ever going to leapfrog Eason in this situation? And uh, he did. When he got hurt, he got his opportunity. He took him to the national championship game. And now they have another guy coming in, Justin Fields, who's incredible 
apparently. And people are like, well, how is Fromm going to stay on the field? It's like, well, he might because he was the starter last year on a team that went to the national championship game. So just, just when everybody thinks they have the quarterbacks figured out, some curveball comes in and it goes another direction. So I, I don't think I'd quite – uh, right-handed Hooker out of things quite yet. No, we shouldn't do that. And you know, I think a lot will depend on how engaged Hooker stays. If if you know, looks like he's not going to get any time. If he stays engaged, uh, you know, gives himself an opportunity to get in there if he's needed. Uh, that'll certainly help his chances. All right, thanks for the question, James. Uh, next question is from Brandon Haney at VT Kilroy on Twitter. Any chance we get another NCAA college football video game? I'd love. It. I used to love that game. I mean, that was like that was the game that I bought every single year and, and played the heck out of it, doing the dynasty stuff and conference realignment and the recruiting and all that. So I wish they would bring that game back. It was so much fun. I know the players loved it because they loved to see what they were rated and all those things. And it gave you something you could ask them, too, like, eh, what do you feel about your speed rating on it? This was always my contention was that if EA Sports had just gone to every player and gone, how about we give you a free copy of the game for your name, for your name and likeness? That this would have been done and we'd still be playing the football game today. Because, like you said, all the players love to play that game. And they're like, oh, I'm better than this. And you change the settings and stuff like that to, for how good your player is. Uh, I feel like this is a challenge that shouldn't be insurmountable. That, like, come on, can we figure out a way to just give them a little bit of the cut of the, the video games? Or, like, is this going to collapse the amateur model if you have this thing that everybody loved and even the players loved and, and you bring it back in some regard? I just I feel like schools are just being stubborn. Like, no, we're just, nope. If we can't do it the way we did before, we're just not going to do it ever. And no names and likenesses for anybody. You know, the big winner with this game going bye-bye is uh, international soccer because FIFA has become a locker room mainstay in a lot of sports, baseball and, and football. I see, I've see. i seen uh, – I, I remember Cam Phillips playing it at uh, one of the media days in the lounge, and he said he was a, a master at it. That's so, so sad. <laughs> You're forcing our college football players to play soccer in video games. This is America, okay? We should play football video games. Not everybody wants to play the Madden version. They like the traditions and everything in the college game. Did you used to play the college game? I never played it. No, really. I wasn't. I, I was. I was more of a James Bond 007 uh, that was a guy guy. Back in like 2003 when I was living in Danville, I played the heck out of that game. And I'm like, I'm going to take Vanderbilt and like build them up into this national power. I'm like, they got this pretty good quarterback. And like, man, he can sling it out there. Turned out the quarterback was Jay Cutler. Uh, so I had him for a couple years and I recruited other guys. I think I had a guy like Seth Moody who won the Heisman as a wide receiver just on this little like drag pass that threw every single time. But it was like fun. It's like, oh, I turned Vanderbilt into this college power uh like that'd be fun to have that game back although i have a child now i, I could carve out time to, to play video games i have a child i have a child <laughs> I, I played uh a lot of tiger woods golf <clears throat> really enjoyed that. oh i have the masters game from like five years ago that it's like wow they really got everything about the masters into this game that was a fun one in college we used to play beer golf and kids don't try this at home but there would be a beer consumed on every hole so it if an entire beer is basically like a, a, a match play style where if you know, all three people have the hole, then the beer would be split three ways among three. Oh, people. okay. And so everybody get a third of a beer. But if you, if you started struggling early and you play all 18, if you struggled early, 
there was a you know domino effect there. By I was going to imagine six. I don't think your motor reflexes are, are that good by the uh, by the end of it if you've consumed twelve beers. Oh, don't try that at home. He folks. lines up for a three foot putt and he takes out the driver. What's he doing? What are you doing, Aaron? All right, that's uh, a good question from Brainy. You need to practice your putting on Lee Carvello's putting challenge. <laughs> See, you need to transport yourself to 2011, my friend. Um, I don't have a name for this one, sorry, uh, but this is a question here. Talk recruiting, especially the guys that we don't normally hear about, quote-unquote, dark horse guys. Well, this was Dale Kaiser, I think, okay, on sorry, Twitter. I, I, I put that one on there. For, uh, the second question was the one that really interested me because you know what we like to talk about all the time on this podcast. Okay, so part two of his question is talk uniforms and how you think Nike did. I'm very opinionated about this. When I saw the new uniforms... They seem okay. <laughs> like, I just, I'm, come on, folks. Like, I saw just, like, this vitriol and hate for these uniforms when they first came out, and it's like, they look pretty good, don't they? I mean, they're, they're, they're not that radically different. Like, the shoulder stripe is angled a little bit more uh, than it was before, and it's a little bit more, like, sleeker and a modern look. But they're Hokies uniforms, right? <laughs> they're, they're maroon and, and orange and white. And they're just a little bit different than they were before. I think they're fine. Yeah, if you just put that in front of me and said, uh, these are the hooky uniforms and you didn't say they were new, I would just be like, yeah, they look like hooky uniforms. I I, uh, I will say I think it's a shame that Justin Fuente is spending so much time on damn uniforms and not in the playbook. That's the biggest issue. These coaches just slave over these uniforms nonstop when they should be practicing. And it's going to show up on the field one of these days. I think the biggest issue with the uniforms is they when they model them, they put the all-orange number up there. And it's like you just shouldn't wear the orange jersey and pants at the same time. That's just asking for for trouble. Okay, It looks terrible. I know you don't love speculating on recruiting, but he did ask about recruiting. And his last part of his question is, how is the Fuente era going? Has he hit his peak with recruiting or will it keep getting better? And how is the team improving? I don't think he's hit his peak. I think it's a slow process that you build up over time. You can look at how Dabo Swinney did it at Clemson. They weren't landing top five classes from the very start. They got some recruits, won a few more games, that brought in more recruits, et cetera, et cetera, and all of a sudden now they're this juggernaut that they are. That took six or seven years to get to that point. So uh, I think you've seen an uptick a little bit in recruiting. Uh, this year's class already, they have two four-star offensive linemen uh, another safety that's in there, uh, Devin Ford, a running back, makes his decision next month. He would be a big one because so far they haven't sort of pulled in that uh, superstar caliber offensive player to any classes. They've missed on some running backs before. Uh, uh, they've gotten some defensive stars, some pretty good four-star, high, high caliber four-star guys there. Uh, the quarterbacks, obviously, they've hit on a couple of those. Uh, but the running back one is the one that sort of eluded them for a while now. And it's a position of need. You look at the rushing attack that Virginia Tech's had lately. It hasn't had sort of that star back, and it's shown up. I mean, they don't have that sort of home run capability of the running back position. But if they can do this, where it's an in-state guy being pursued by Ohio State and Penn State, sounds like he just canceled his official visit with Ohio State after Ohio State took another running back. Maybe that soured uh, him on them a little bit. Uh, that could be a big get. I mean, that, that could signal that this – this coaching staff can land a recruit of that caliber. 
on the offensive side of the ball. It's could signal they can fend off some of these out-of-state poachers coming into the, the Commonwealth here and taking some of the top guys, which was the issue and has been the issue for the last 10-plus uh, years. Uh, so I, I think you're seeing improvement. If they can get somebody like Devin Ford, I think it would signal that, yeah, they're taking sort of that next step in the recruiting process. Well, they have a game-changing player on their team. He just needs to get more playing time, and his name is Coleman Fox. That was the previous staff that recruited him. I've met my quota for Coleman Fox this week. All right, uh, thank you for that question. By the way, I didn't necessarily order these. Uh, we don't need to go exactly in order if you want to jump around in these questions. Our next question comes from Invincible Jumbo at Invincible Jumbo on Twitter. I like your uh, your name there, Invincible Jumbo. Perhaps I've missed it, but I haven't heard much about Dewan Ellis. I seem to recall he's going to get his shot at QB, and there were some positive reviews on his arm talent. Is that still the case, or is there another position he's been working out with? DB H back, thanks. Well, he's not here yet. He's arriving in the summer, so that's probably why we haven't heard uh, a whole lot about him. I will say that, yeah, he might get his shot. Uh, that might be a promise that the coach has made to him, but he is a five foot 11, 180-pound quarterback, and you just don't see a lot of those in college, especially when you got uh, you know, a six foot four, 220-pound tank like Quincy Patterson coming into the program. I just think you look at it and you go, he's just not going to play a quarterback. Like, I, I just can't see it. I mean, I go back to all, all the way back to Virginia when Vic Hall went there. Right. And you're like, well, they got Peter Lalek, who's a 6'5 guy, and they've got Jameel Sewell, who's a, a taller guy, even though he couldn't throw very well. Uh, you know, just you got to get these guys on the field some way. And I think Ellis has some skills in terms of speed and sort of a playmaking ability like that that, you know, big picture, you go – what's his long-term future in football going to be? And it's probably not going to be a quarterback. So while a lot of these guys get promised the shot once they get here, Trayvon McMillan, uh, when he was here at first, they're like, oh, yeah, you'll get your shot. It was like one practice. Okay, now you're moving somewhere else. Carlos Parker was the same way. I think, I think so many Wait, of these – McMillan was a quarterback? Yeah, he was oh, a high school quarterback. Yeah, he came in, and I think he it was like one practice. And they're like, okay, did you get out of your system? And now <laughs> let's move you to the position you're going to play. Uh and, you know, you hate to put it this way, but it's like, uh, you know, they have sort of no leverage in the situation if you're a player. It's like you already signed, uh, you know, I think you signed with the understanding that you just, it's probably not going to happen. I just don't think it's going to happen for him at quarterback. Probably cornerback then, right? I think offense might, uh, oh, really? might be sort of a jitterbug type Slot receiver. receiver or something. It might be the next jitterbug receiver that you're looking for. I'm looking to adopt a new one. So uh, good luck, Dewan. We'll see what happens with you. Thanks for the question, Invincible Jumbo. <laughs> Next question comes from Nick uh, Masios. Uh, it's M-A-C-I-O-C-E, his full name on Twitter. Machioch? Machiochi? I don't know. Machiochi. Uh, Let's go, yeah, full Italian there. Okay, Nick, Nick wonders, does the coaching staff have any trips planned other, to other programs or vice versa? <coughs> I can't remember seeing any from Fuente since he's been here, but I may have just missed them over the last few summers. I think what he's talking about there is like going to Nebraska. Yeah, the learning things. trips. I, I want to say they went to – Arkansas or something? No, it was Ole Miss one year, I think. I can't remember exactly. Where they, it's it's always some sort of trade-off that they have there. I think some coaches went to TCU uh, last year, and obviously Fuente has the relationship with Gary Patterson there. So uh, I'm sure they'll have some sort of exchange like that just because they always do it. I'm not sure where. 
uh, you never quite know what these coaching relationships are that are out there and who they might know and who they go back to with stuff like that. I, I think Bud knew the old Miss guy from a couple years ago. That's why they went there. Obviously, Fuente with Patterson has a connection there. But you want to go somewhere where you like can learn something too, not just because you're like buddies with the group there. So, uh, I, this is not really answering the question. I'm sure they will go somewhere for some sort of staff learning situation, but I'm not sure where. Well, you would think with Fuente's connections in Texas and Oklahoma and all those places, uh, you know, you're not going to have a situation where you're going to play a lot of these teams, you know. So I think you want to avoid that too, right? You don't want to switch. You don't want to <coughs> trade secrets with Paul Johnson or something Well, I, like I want to say that last year there was some sort of exchange with Oklahoma State at some point too, oh, and really? it turned out that they ended up did they did play them in the bowl game. I, I want to say that was true. But, uh, yeah, like I said, there's so much sort of trading of information and, uh, you know, staff growth opportunities like that. It's tough to keep them all straight. Okay. Thanks for the question, Nick. On to Grant Atkinson's question. This is at Hokie underscore G. There's a lot of talk about how the defensive back spots are somewhat interchangeable, and we want the best five on the field. People have mentioned Hunter at whip and moving Mook to corner. But how come nobody has mentioned Ladler to corner? What good does he do sitting behind either free safety or strong safety? Well, I think right now the strength is that you need some depth there, uh, and he provides it. I mean, Divine Diablo hasn't been the most healthy guy in his career here. Broke his his foot last year, was injured this spring a little bit, and Khalil Ladler stepped up in both situations. Diablo's had a devil of a time staying on the field. That's horrible. I'm going to edit that out okay. in post. Uh no, uh, I think the, the thing is, is he came in here as a corner. He had uh, a knee injury his high school, his senior year of high school. Uh, that's why he missed his senior year of high school, and he was sort of rehabbing that during his redshirt freshman year. I think that's part of the reason why they moved him to safety in the first place is, is maybe lost some quickness uh, with that injury from before. Uh, maybe like his toughness as a safety, you have to be able to have a cover ability at safety but also be able to tackle and things like that. Um, the other part of it is, is yeah, we say that those spots are interchangeable, but I think they like to put a guy in a single spot and have him develop there over time and, and get them good at one position. It's why with Devin Hunter, I think they like him as that sort of that whip linebacker and as the heir to Mook Reynolds there is they don't want to shift him around throughout his entire career and then he doesn't get really good at one spot. Uh, so the longer they have somebody there, the better they're going to be. And and quite frankly, I think after last season, when you saw the safeties go down, that you're probably going to need a backup safety in some capacity. And once you get past Ladler, I don't really know where you turn to unless you move Devin Hunter back to safety in that situation. So, uh, yeah, it seems like they're interchangeable, but I, I think more so the coaches kind of like to get these guys set in certain spots and, and let them develop. It was either last week or the week before we were talking about, you know, the, the paucity of players on this roster who were who would be all ACC candidates. Yeah, you just you know, Mook. We didn't mention Mook. I mean, he might be one, right? Is he yeah, one? I, I think so. He's always there. He's always in that weird sort of uh, like hybrid spot, kind of in limbo, where it's it's like I think they list him as a linebacker, although he really plays more like a defensive back. Or I can't remember how he's, he was even officially listed when it came to the the all ACC. It might have been that he was listed as a safety instead of a linebacker. I can't remember exactly. But whatever it is, it's like it doesn't seem like he gets enough recognition for what he does in, in e as either a linebacker or a safety because he's right between those two. So that's kind of the tough part is that maybe he doesn't get all the votes going into one spot. Yeah. 
but he can get some numbers, right? That's a position where you can pile up some tackles. And... Yeah, he was. He also got hurt at the end of last year, right. so that was another factor with that. But, yeah, uh, last year he was right up there with Tremaine Edmonds for a lot of the season in terms of tackles. He was making plays in the backfield. He can intercept passes. There's a lot of stuff that he brings to the table that is very valuable to this defense. Okay. Well, thanks for the question there, Grant. Uh, next one's from Kenneth Flint at KJF3009 on Twitter. Really random question. As I understand it, VT has never won any NCAA championships. Which sport is VT most likely to break that string with? And, of course, this is where the the bass fishing people at uh, Virginia Tech would say, hey, slow down, buddy. Not we, a varsity sport, one. though. Yeah, I know. Um what would it be, what would you say? Wrestling? Oh, this what's this wrestling? Women's, this women's lacrosse team is coming on, isn't it? I mean, I've seen they are some... coming on. They're still like the third seed in the ACC. I guess if you're the third seed in the ACC, that you're up there nationally as well. I yeah, because there's just not that many teams. Women's soccer has made it pretty far in the NCAA tournament recently. Uh, feels like the 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 indoor track, to indoor outdoor track teams. Uh, men's and women's have done fairly i mean they've won a host of acc titles here recently uh i haven't really paid attention to how close they come when it comes to ncaa time uh that seems like one where you get a, a couple star athletes and they do a bunch of events that that could really translate well to something like that but i would have said wrestling uh yeah wrestling that was the possibility first but you know i guess dresser's gone now right dresser's so. gone i mean they're still pretty good the, the problem with wrestling is it's like it seems like there's like six schools nationally that like really care about wrestling. Right. And they're there every single year. That's tough to to overtake that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it'll happen eventually. I feel like they're knocking on the door. It'll it'll happen eventually. I, I just can't really pick a specific sport. I don't think football be I, low on that list. Yeah, I think yeah. you go to the the major sports: football and basketball and baseball. And I I just say that's that's really tough to win in that. I mean, everybody's trying to win those sports. Uh, it, it probably has to come in, in a, a smaller sport or a less heralded sport where not everybody throws the resources into it. I'm going to pick women's lax. That's going to be my pick. I think it's, I think it's one of the the track teams, or I think women's soccer has been pretty good. I mean they've they've made women's it, soccer they made it good. deep into the tournament. I, I can't remember exactly how deep, but they've they've been pretty far. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if that was like a, a special group there. Or <laughs> this is where we need Berman's expertise yeah, to come Berman. in. Berman would know. Uh, he'd probably have a good answer to that uh, question. I'll give you my top five uh, teams <laughs> that should be able to win a national championship. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Kenneth, for the question. Our last question comes from Dave Scarangella at Dulles District. Uh, Dave is a very enthusiastic sports fan, and we hear a lot from him on Twitter. And here is his question. Who was the best late-round draft choice from Virginia Tech, fifth round or lower, to make it, to the, make it in the NFL? Players like Don Strzok, five, that's the round number. Uh, Cam Chancellor, five. George Prius, five. Tyrod Taylor, six. Carol Dale, eight. Buzz Nutter, eight, etc. And who will be the next at five or lower to make it big? Well, I think Cam Chancellor of the modern guys. I mean, it's tough to, to top him. It was an all-pro for a couple years there. Yeah. It was sort of the feared safety that was sort of the, the prototype in the NFL. Uh, it would be tough to pick anybody other than him in the last 20 years, I'd say. Uh, you know, Will Montgomery was a seventh round pick. He carved out quite a career for being a seventh round pick. Yes, he did. Uh, Long time starter for a couple teams there. Uh, let's see. I'm going through the list. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't see all too many others that are really challenging those two in terms of uh, how how good they were for a long time in the NFL. What do you think? Any any stick out in your mind? Uh, yeah, I think Chancellor's the answer. I mean, Super Bowl champion and everything else. I mean, he's um, – I mean, Tyrod could be interesting. Tyrod here. could. He's now going to the Browns, of course, as everyone knows, and that's an opportunity to really, you know <laughs> – the only way it can go is up, right? So um, what if he goes in there and, and does really well and, and maybe, you know, all these draft picks they've had over the recent years of being so bad, maybe that starts to, to gel and you, you, you get, you know, a seven-win season or something like that, and then all of a sudden Tyrod's the toast of the NFL. Well, here's the thing. If you're banking on the fact that the Browns will screw up this draft pick with the quarterback selection – there's a pretty good track record that that's the case. So if you're Tyrod, you're like, man, I want to hold on to this job for a while. You might not have the strongest competitor coming behind you because the Browns are going to Brown, as I said earlier. I mean, that's just what they do in the draft. I have no faith in them making the right pick here. Okay. Well, uh, let me throw – we like to do predictions here. We'll, we'll end with where we think Terrell Edmonds will go. But before we do that – Tremaine Edmonds. I'm sorry. Yeah. We're going to make it Terrell a great degree well. of difficulty if we're trying to pick where <laughs> Terrell Edmonds is going to go. Okay, I'm looking at some gambling odds here. First overall pick in the draft, Sam Darnold is a 1-2 to two favorite. Josh Allen, 2-1. to one. Saquon Barkley, 5-1. to one. Baker Mayfield, 6-1. to one. Josh Rosen, 20-1. to one. You like any of those as a bet? You think Darnold's a pretty good lock there as a number one overall? I don't know. I, I feel like I've seen Josh Allen from a lot of teams, number one, which I think would be a colossal mistake. I feel like he's just – Well, the, your Browns are going to Brown. That's what I'm thinking okay. the Browns are going to do is they'll they'll screw up and take somebody like Josh Allen because they're seduced by his arm strength. And, oh, my gosh, he can throw the ball 80 yards down the field, but, you know, he's a 50% passer in college. That's, yeah. that's what it comes down to. So – I. I could see the Browns doing that, though. See, every coach thinks they can. It's the Jay Cutler factor, right? Everybody looked at Jay Cutler, and who was that uh, <coughs> quarterback from back in the day who played forever? Uh, Jeff George. Jeff George. Didn't he have like a rocket? Kyle home? Bowler. Yeah. I mean, when I mean, you're, you're uh, Ravens here. That's I mean, right. He did the thing where he was on one knee at midfield and threw it all the way to the goalpost. It's like, well, what good is that going to do you in a game? Uh, yeah, I feel like uh, you know teams really fall in love with the tools and with the quarterbacks. It's always the arm, and and then people don't figure out like, well, you have to be accurate too. One more gambling question I'd like your take on: total number of quarterbacks drafted in the first round under five and a half or over five and a half? And if you like the under, you've got to lay one to two. So it's a pretty big over fit. five and a half. Yeah, I mean, I could see five going, but six. I guess Lamar Jackson would be another, right? Well, he would be number five. He would right? be five. Okay. It'd be it'd be Mayfield, Arnold, Rosen, Allen, and then Jackson. I think is sort of the consensus number five. I don't even know who know who the number six guy would be. Who's, it would be Mason who Rudolph. Mink, who is Minka Fitzpatrick? What position is he? He is the defensive back from Alabama. Okay, yeah, he's he's eighty to one to be the first overall pick. Just, it yeah. seems like a stretch, especially <laughs> for Cleveland, where you can go, hey, we can probably take him number four. I, th- I think Cleveland has to take a quarterback number one because yeah. if you don't, and there's a guy that you like, I mean, every team that, that's going to jump up ahead of you in a trade will go before that fourth pick. So I, I think if you have somebody that you have to take that you really like at quarterback, you have to take him number one if you're Cleveland. Then you try to take whoever you get at number four. So it sounds like you really like the under there. A lot. The under for quarterbacks? Under five and a half. Yes. I, I is the, I mean Mason Rudolph, I guess, would be the other quarterback potentially in the first round. That seems like a stretch. I me. guess if you're taking the over, you're just betting on a just a complete run early in the draft and then somebody else really needs a quarterback so they reach and, and I mean one. six quarterbacks 
that's tough to do. I don't think that's happened often. I think it was that uh, that Marino, uh, Elway, Jim Kelly draft. Was that the 83 draft? Yeah, they made Whatever 30 they did. for 30 about Yeah, that. it was a pretty good 30 for 30 they did. I, I think they had six quarterbacks in that one, but I don't think it happens often, if ever. I certainly think the, the, the number of quarterbacks that are being considered makes the draft more interesting to people like me who, you know, don't really – I mean, doesn't even know who Minka Fitzpatrick is. Um probably shouldn't admit that on this podcast but I mean like you know there's years where it's all like all offensive linemen up at the top or D linemen nothing against those, those are the guys, worst years but it's just like you know, there's no sizzle no juice well there was the year that Eric Fisher went number one the offensive tackle I think from like central Michigan or something like that and it's like what what, yeah. what are we doing here where are the stars man yeah. this is what I come to see the juice all right well it'll be a juicy day for Tremaine, Tremaine where's he going where's he gonna go yeah uh Number? We want to do number? I'm going to go Bears, eighth pick. Number I gonna, eight. I was going to say eight. <laughs> it just seems like they have that history of linebackers. Yeah. Like they took Erlacher. Yeah. I feel like Tremaine kind of has some Erlacher qualities in terms of athleticism. They always want defense there. They went they went offense last year with Mitch Trubisky. Now they probably got to address their defense a little bit. Uh, you know, they have Kyle Fuller from Virginia Tech before. They're familiar with Virginia Tech's defense. I'll go with Tremaine Edmonds, number eight to the Bears. You said the Washington Post had uh, New England trading up to trading up. snag him from yeah. at eight or it was, it was eight or I think it was nine. Okay. where the Niners slot was because they've they've New traded. England before. doesn't trade up very much, does it? They don't. That's, they do the opposite. That's how they hoard all those picks and get all those guys. Maybe Belichick's on tilt after the Garoppolo trade and Maybe everything that's going on. Insurrection in 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 the palace there with uh, you know. Tom Brady going over his head and everything else. Yeah, We'll see. That's what makes it intriguing with the draft. This is why you should watch or, or at least follow on Twitter when you're covering a baseball game. I will be doing that. All right. Well, if uh, you get Dwight and talk to him next week, I guess I won't see you. But if you don't, maybe we'll do something else. We can come up with some, some other formats. And I know you've got other people you'd like to interview uh, during the offseason, so that's good. Um, get some variety and some flavor and some juice in this. But we will be back together as soon as possible. Uh, hopefully within the next two, three weeks. Um, And until then, for Andy Bitter, this is Aaron McFarling. We will see you next time.